Welcome to the perfume room. My scent of the day today is one of my new favorites for summer. It is a sparkling, refreshing, warm, soft citrus, and that is Citrus Grandis from Chris Collins. It is an ode to pomelo with notes, obviously, of pomelo and yuzu and cedar, verbena, blackcurrant, sandalwood, elemi, incense, musk, vetiver. What the heck does it mean? It means it is just perfect. It is not astringent. You know, I don't like a citrus that goes too astringent, but it's refreshing and citrusy, a tad sweet, and even a little musky. I will say, if you tried Mediterranean Honeysuckle Mimosa, that name will never not be a mouthful, off my recommendation and you enjoyed it, try this too. It is another fragrance that I feel is just sort of like highlighting the warmth and softness of citrus while still being sparkling and refreshing. Now, another thing I do want to address is what is the difference between pomelo and grapefruit? This is something that comes up a lot. This is something that I used to be unsure of as well. So let me tell you, pomelo is a little bit softer and sweeter in smell and taste. And fun fact, did you know that grapefruit is a hybrid fruit? It is a hybrid of sweet orange and pomelo. So pomelo is the OG. In terms of how they look, I think pomelo is a little bit smaller, a little bit more of like a teardrop shape, and it also has a thicker rind, and the inside is almost always yellow in color, whereas grapefruit, I think there's different varietals, but at least when I think of like the most common kinds of grapefruit, I definitely think of that like ruby red, sort of pinkish hue. But yeah, I am loving Citrus Grandis. I love how soft and cozy it feels while also being so fresh. And I just need to shout out Chris Collins in general. I interviewed him last week for the podcast, so get excited because he is a future guest and he brought several fragrances to smell. And if you follow me on Instagram, you already know because I raved about it. But African rooibos, oh my God. It is such a realistic rooibos tea smell with added notes of cedar and cardamom and tonka bean and orris that give it this warmth and this spicy kick. And it even goes a little bit smoky, but it still feels refreshing. And I will say the first time I smelled it, I don't know if I still feel this way, but my initial response was that it reminded me of the smell of burning Palo Santo. There's something very meditative about it. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend checking out all of Chris Collins' fragrances. Um, he is now in Sephora, which is amazing. And you'll hear in the episode all of his other stock. So I'm not going to use this time to talk about it now. But check out his website. Check out his fragrances. They are wonderful. Let's get to this week's episode. It is a good one. This week, we have a crossover episode with Breaking Beauty Podcast. What does that mean? It means that I interview the Breaking Beauty co-hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn on Perfumer, which is what you are about to listen to. And if you're like, damn, I wish there were more, guess what? There is because they interviewed me on their podcast, Breaking Beauty, and that episode comes out tomorrow. Oh my God, two days of back-to-back fragrance podcast content. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Am I right? So let me tell you about the two people you are about to hear from, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Jill is an award-winning writer whose work has been featured in Elle Canada and many other publications, and she was most recently dubbed one of Canada's top 20 beauty insiders by HuffPo. 
Carlene was most recently a beauty director at a major fashion magazine and is the winner of Best Beauty Editor of the Year from P&G Beauty and Grooming Awards. And as co-creators and co-hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, in each episode, these two longtime friends and beauty editors tell the stories behind the breakthrough people, products, and moments shaping beauty history. And of course, they swatch and spritz everything so that we don't have to. Today, you will hear all about the most coveted fragrances in their personal collections, how beauty editors select the fragrances that they write about, their most wild press trips, including one that involved a dinner where the ingredients of Mugler Angel were turned into food and eaten, and of course, what trends and fragrances are exciting them most right now. Here are Jill and Carlene. Carlene and Jill. Welcome to the perfume room. How are you guys doing today? Amazing. Amazing. We honestly don't talk a lot about perfume on our show. So I don't know about Jill, but I'm so excited to be here and just like dedicate the next hour to this. Okay. Well, I always ask the first question. What are you currently wearing fragrance wise? Okay, so this is Jill speaking. Thank you so much, Emma, for having us. So excited to be here as well. So today I'm actually wearing the new-ish scent from Le Labo. It's the mm. Te Matcha 26. So that's like okay. tea in French. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Have you tried it before? I have smelled it. I have not okay. had a chance to wear it. Yeah, so I got a sample of it at Nordstrom when I was lurking around the perfume counter there. And I think it's really interesting because it's kind of the perfect fragrance for the post-pandemic world because it's a very high quality scent, but I and it lasts a long time, but I feel like you don't really get a whiff of it until you're up close and very intimate with someone. And I think that's definitely by design. So obviously matcha, there's like creamy fig and soft vetiver and cedar wood. It's just very warm and has like almost like a meditative quality to it. Like I like to wear it while Mm. I'm working, which is why I have Mm. it on today. Um, And it's kind of like solitude, solitude in a bottle. That's what I would say. Oh, I love that. Well, I used to wear Te Noir all the time from Mm -hmm. Le Labo, so I was excited Mm -hmm. to try this as well. I feel like they really nailed it. Amazing. Well, as we mentioned in the last one, you got to try Dusk by Aspen Apothecary if you like Te Noir. I'm pumped to try try that. All right. And since we're talking about um, all of the fragrances that beauty editors hoard, Mm -hmm. I'm wearing Chanel jersey today because you can't be a beauty editor without having a bottle of Chanel Mm -hmm. somewhere on your vanity. Um, so yeah, this one's just nice and creamy, bit of vanilla, bit, bit of bourbon, you I know, love that. Jersey comes up uh, like kind of frequently on the podcast. So it's a yeah. tried and true. Would you guys say that you have signature scents? And if so, what are they? Um, well, I have to say that one scent that I go back to time and again is Terre d'Hermes. Um, mm. I love it. It's got that really minerally quality to it and just really such I don't know. It's just so easy to wear for me. And it's like the whole story behind it was inspired by, uh, you know, Jean Collette Elena, who obviously was the master perfumer behind it. He said, it's like feeling the earth lying on the ground, gazing at the sky. And I just Mm. feel like it is, yeah, just minerally and outdoorsy in a way that's not too masculine. And I just love, I just love wearing it. I always go back to it. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a beautiful patchouli note that feels very grounded. And yes. And for myself, Mm -hmm. so I definitely have like, I guess a fragrance style that I like. I really like kind of like a fruity floral. I like something that smells kind of garden 
fresh. Um, I like to be able to identify notes and scents if it gets too. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't love a lot of commercial scents because I can't put my finger on what those things are. And so I just find I don't really enjoy that. And I get overwhelmed by fragrances easily. So for myself, I love like an English um, type of uh, approach, I guess, like florally garden scent. So I love Penhaligans. Mm. And my favorite is Luna. I've got it here. Um, it looks like it came off the set of Bridgerton. Yes. <laughs> it's such a Bridgerton look. Yeah, exactly. And I actually love a lot of their scents. I like Bluebell as well. Of course, like Princess Diana and Kate Moss famously have worn those scents. But Luna I really like because it has like rose and jasmine and it has a, it starts out citrusy. But what I love about Penhaligans is they're not... They sound really simple, but they have more of an interesting dry down. So it's like Mm -hmm. it's got an interesting little twist to it. You know what I mean? It's like traditional Mm -hmm. English scent, but like with a little wink. And that's what I really like. Totally agree. On a side note, because I know we were talking earlier and you like iris scents. Have you tried uh, Revenge of Lady Blanche by them? No, I haven't. No. No. Okay, add to cart. I think <laughs> you will love it. It's so fun. Um, it's such a great garden floral, and it just feels like ladies who lunch but are like up to mischief. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what there's a great some, name. They're, they're going to do something yeah. at that lunch. You know? Okay, so Jill, that's a good one for you to try then. You like the iris. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, then the third question that I always open with is Do you have any fragrance hot takes or controversial opinions? Okay, well, I have one that's probably going to make me sound like old, but I kind of <laughs> don't care. I just think the fragrances in the metaverse are stupid, and I feel like the the whole notion, I mean, I get it. I get why brands want to be first to be there, but the metaverse is just such a mystery to me, and then on top of that, I have to figure out what it smells like. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that's just not um not my vibe. Can I take a step back? What wait? Are you talking about like NFTs? Like when you talk about the metaverse, like where are we going with it? I don't okay. even think I know what you're so, talking about. So basically, yes, the Byredo has partnered with Nike on their Nike's own RFTKT. I'm sure that has a pronunciation. And they're creating digital fragrance auras in the metaverse. So it's just this what? whole thing. Yeah. What? Like what? Why? No. Oh, what? So I just am not, and I'm like usually a really an early adopter of like everything digital and technology. I'm usually excited about all this stuff. But once I saw that, I was like, gosh, like, what does that even mean? It's so, it just feels like a total marketing play. I think that's what rubs me the wrong way about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my second hot take is just like justice for bro- boomer fragrances. Like let's bring back Liz Taylor, white diamonds, one of the best <laughs> yeah. ever to do it. And yes. like, Dior, J'adore, like all of these ones, like I know Y2K fragrances are getting a lot of hype right now, but like, let's mm-hmm. take it back even one step further because they're very high quality and there weren't as many, like there weren't as many flankers just like flooding the market with those back in the day. Mm-hmm. I think there's some good ones to still discover. Mm-hmm. Bring back the loud 80 cents mm-hmm. every you know day it. of the week. Yes. I love that. Um, I'm very confused about that metaverse. That's something I guess I got to <laughs> research and learn more about. Carlene, what is your hot take? Um, well, I don't know if it's a hot take, but you know, I do think just like as a beauty editor, we've been on a lot of press trips and we'll probably talk about this, um, in today's episode, but yeah, there's definitely like, I think there's this idea that like all the good fragrances come from France and, you know, 
maybe that's kind of true, but I feel like it'd be nice to like just bust open the door on like who the noses are and have it be a little bit more diverse, a little bit more inclusive. And I love mm-hmm. that there's like indie brands coming up right now who are, who are diverse and bring something different to the table. Um, like I really like DS and Durga, which is out of Brooklyn mm-hmm. and like they have so many great scents that are coming out. And I know that on I get confused. I know that when you were on our podcast, we talked about Molecule 01, um, which mm-hmm. is a scent that I personally really like from Eccentric Molecules. And they, from DS and Durga, have this I don't know what, which is like a fragrance yeah. enhancer. And they also use that note, that ISO E Super, which is like mm-hmm. supposed to really change with your body chemistry and like you can layer it with other fragrances. And so they're just bringing like, more innovation and, uh, you know, just a different level of cool. And I think if, you know, that could kind of spread beyond indie as well. Yeah. Just seeing that sort of these risks like extend to mass marketed fragrance. Yeah, exactly. And from just, just from different perspectives, it all doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be just like a white guy in a suit, you know, in the fields in grass. Great perfumes can come from a lot of different places. You know, love that too. There's, there's just room for more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, and one of the things that's really cool is like I've I've spoken to so many people with so many different backgrounds of how they became perfumers. And I think what I'm learning in every day more and more is that every single route is the right route if it led you to where you, you know, like some people are self-taught. Mm-hmm. Some people go through like a very formal perfume school. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go back to you guys, because mm-hmm. this is not about that. <laughs> so you are both. Are you are you currently beauty editors? Or it was like beauty editors turned podcasters. Well, I always like to say that we still are beauty editors in the sense that we are editing constantly. We are editing content. Mm -hmm. We are creating content. It's just we used to work in the pages of magazines. And now we have taken taken our storytelling to podcasting. um, And audio beauty editors. uh, Exactly. Exactly. We're never going to lose that just it's like baked in at this point that our, our, uh, you know, skill set to just be thinking about trends and packaging stories and ideas and looking for innovation and all of these things that beauty editors do and knowing the market and just sort of seeing the beauty worlds through sort of like using beauty to see the world. Um, and it really kind of, you know, is a lens into so many things, economics, psychology, um, you know, pop culture, all of these things. And I think Mm -hmm. we still do that, but we aren't working currently at a magazine now. Got it. Okay. Because, you know, when I think about like dream careers, like as a kid, and I know this, you know, some people say astronaut, some people say firefighter, whatever. To me, beauty editor as like a young girl into beauty, into fragrance, into makeup. It's like, that is the pinnacle. That is the ultimate. What is your guys' background? Like, when did you guys first get into the world of beauty and I guess more specifically fragrance since it's a perfume podcast, you know, gotta ask. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled into this job by accident really, because you don't go to school to become a beauty editor. Like it really doesn't exist in the world. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you want to become a fashion editor, most people go to fashion school, there's schools for fashion and design and you can become a stylist. You can be involved in like pre-production and photography, or you can, you know, then you can go on if you're more of a writer, you can go on to become a beauty editor. So 
um, there's kind of a clear path with beauty editors that doesn't happen. So as far as I know, we all got here by accident. Um, and so mm. my personal story was I started working actually at a hair magazine. That was a very random first job that I got where I was like front desk clerk. Um, mm -hmm. But I took uh, in university like writing. I minored in uh, writing in English. So I always I always liked to write. I just didn't think about like a career in it. And so mm -hmm. when I was uh, working at this hair magazine, they invited me to start writing and I did. And I don't know. I just kind of moved up from there. Somebody moved over to one of the big fashion magazines in Canada and they remembered me and they remembered I did like a good job. And so they kind of plucked me up and hired me at that fashion magazine. And um, again, I just started writing on the side and I just kept writing more and more to the point where you know, there was an opening in the beauty department. And because I had come from a hair magazine, they were like, oh, you're a beauty girl. And I'm like, oh, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. I'm a beauty girl. So mm -hmm. I just landed there. And like, I was so happy that I did because it's just such it, you're absolutely right. It is a dream job. Like, honestly, just to be able to go to events and test makeup and perfume all day long is is a dream. And I feel so fortunate. I've had some of the best experiences of my life. Um, in this career. And I'm also so happy about where Jill and I are now because we're really um, like our own bosses. And that's just the best. Yeah, that's amazing. And what about you, Jill? Um, I started off interning at Elle Canada, actually. And uh, I didn't know beauty editor. I didn't know that beauty editor was a job either. I have to echo Carlene on that. But I knew that I loved writing. I loved words. And I was just obsessed with the pace of magazines and um, the gloss, the fact that at the end of all of your hard work, you get this glossy, tangible product in your hands that you flip through. Like I remember getting the boxes of magazines at the office and you like you open it with a utility knife and like everybody diving in to get the copy to just see it all come together. It's like, there's no feeling like that in the world. It is amazing. Right. And it almost feels luxurious looking back on it. Like we had these long, like six weeks to do a story or two months or whatever. It's just, it seems, um, like very luxurious looking back, but yeah, I started off as an intern and kind of similar to Carlene, they just needed support in the beauty department. So I started, um, working like in the beauty closet, organizing products, going to events and everything. And I just wanted to write. So if they gave me an assignment or fact checking to do or whatever, I just got in there and, um, started doing it. And then very slowly, I also just observed like, when you did flip through the pages of magazines, like all of the beauty, all of the ads were beauty. And I was like, huh, like if I can get myself in here and get a gig, like the beauty editors are always probably going to have a job because they need beauty content to go along with the advertisers that are supporting the magazine. So that's another big thing that a lot of people don't talk to uh, talk about. That's why beauty content is so important in magazines mm -hmm. and just beauty content and in general, because beauty is a big business and mm -hmm. needed these organic sort of storytelling opportunities to move product and get people excited about launches and stuff. And, uh, yeah. And I just, I just kind of worked up from there. I did a lot of photo shoots and in terms of perfume, um, I used to write a ton of fragrance editorials and I would say my sweet spot heyday was really when all the celebrity perfumes came out. So I interviewed Gwen Stefani. I, um, oh my God. Interviewed, I interviewed Shania Twain on a horse farm when her fragrance came out. I oh my interviewed Kamora Lee Simmons at her house. I, I was there. Um, Just saying. Yeah, Carlene ah. was there. 
I interviewed, yeah, I can't even remember all the people. It was just like this onslaught of celebrity perfumes and I was in the thick of it all. And mm-hmm. uh, that it was just so fun because I am a person who loves pop culture. And I just mm-hmm. really saw how those two worlds were colliding at the time. And, um, and just also the storytelling around perfume was so different than like a jar of skincare that came across your desk. Yeah. There's just mm-hmm. always so much more to dive into and richer storytelling to be mm-hmm. had. I'm right. just going to stop you right there, Jill. Does this look familiar? Uh-huh. Harajuku the- lovers. Harajuku, Gwen. Gwen Stefani. So this is the oldest like relic that I have from our very long careers doing this. This old yeah. janky ass press bag. I have all four of the original Harajuku perfumes by Gwen Stefani still in the package. Oh my I God. I actually have the press kit in here as well with the description. I don't think they sell these anymore. Why I kept these guys, I don't know. Of I love. And what do you amazing. think of the fragrances? Do you like the Harajuku fragrances? I, I haven't opened them. They're still in the cellophane. Wow. I'll be honest. I, I think it's because way back in the day, I interviewed a perfume collector, like a collector expert. And he recommended that what he thought would like retain its value it wasn't about celebrity scents, but he was like these really cute kind of like uh, the packaging where it's like feels collectible and like very special. He was like, that's the thing. Those are the things to keep for down the road. So I was like, well, these so are those are your beanie babies. Yeah. <laughs> those so are I your. Yeah. Although I looked them up on eBay recently and I really don't think they've gone up very much in value. So I was kind of disappointed, you know. You're waiting. You're just waiting. You're poised for yeah. success. Someday there's going to be a thing and they pop off yeah. and be like, oh and you're ready. Gwen Stefani Original package. Yeah, exactly. Well, it seems like you guys both sort of had an interest in beauty, but fell into your paths in a bit of a serendipitous way. And mm-hmm. I will say as a longtime consumer of magazines, there's such a trusted authority that comes with mm-hmm. being a beauty editor. Mm-hmm. How do you build that as someone who was you know, like a writer who ended up in this position or sort of like found your way to this career. What do you think makes that trusted authority in beauty editors? I think the the biggest thing, I mean, it's not the same as working as a, at a newspaper, but the biggest thing is honestly the team around you. Like before anything would go to press, it went through multiple eyeballs who would be screening mm-hmm. for tone and the biggest thing was fact checkers like Jill Mm -hmm. was talking about. So we would have a fact checking team and any single fact that you were about to write about, like anything, they would be contacting the source. Is this correct? Mm -hmm. They would be checking Mm -hmm. like Google for multiple kind of first hand sources to make sure that that Mm -hmm. was correct. So nothing went to press without all of these layers of people who are mm-hmm. going to make sure that a it's factually correct and b it's like not super offensive to anyone you know the tone is right um it's in the right context you're rewriting things time and time again honestly you are being put through the shredder before anything goes to print like as a writer and as an editor we'd be like pulling our hair out because we might have to rewrite something like four or five times before it goes to press so it's completely different than and no shade to bloggers but like at the time where it's just like here's my opinion boom and it Mm -hmm. goes out onto the internet and then those people are being considered authorities 
you know, or experts. Mm -hmm. It's just a completely different experience. And I think that's why going back to Jill's point, why we still consider ourselves to be editors is like, it's not that we have all the staff and all these layers of people, but we learned so much from that experience. And I actually love that I'm not doing this on my own and that I do have Jill because we kind of check each other, you know, every once in a while we're like, is this Mm -hmm. factually correct? Is this the right thing that you actually wanted to Tone. say, you know, we try yeah. to kind mm-hmm. of like be our each other's editors, if you will. So then with that said, let's go back to perfume a little. What was the first fragrance you guys each ever purchased or wore? Ooh, this is such a good question. Um, for me, I was a drugstore baby. Like the where I grew up, there was just no like real department stores or anything. So um, I loved White Musk by The Body Shop that like defined my high school era. And even when I was younger than that, I remember buying like Exclamation by Cody, Vanilla Fields, mm-hmm. all of that. And like every guy in my high school wore Dracar Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all like just embedded in my brain, the, the mm-hmm. sense. And then, you know, something else from childhood that's just baked in my brain is my dad. He smoked a lot. Um, but he also wore old spice and he thought that, you know, like when people smoke, it's like, they just can't really scent or they can't really detect how much fragrance or how yes. overpowering something is. And I just remember that being in the car with like the windows rolled up and just the old spice, like permeating everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I definitely was this drugstore girly drugstore girly for life. (laughs) I think it was definitely the era of vanilla and that's, uh, you know, Jill and I, you can tell we're of the same era because I wore, uh, the body shop perfume oil in vanilla. So yeah, it was just like very powdery and kind of sweet and it was affordable and it came in this little adorable bottle that looked like it was Mm -hmm. like made for a doll. And, you know, I could afford to buy it with my allowance. So I love that. Okay. Well, Jill, I do have a question because in your guys' episode, which you guys, this is a crossover. So please go listen to the episode on Breaking Beauty. But Jill, we were talking about Fleur by Missing Person. And I said Mm -hmm. that it reminds me of the body shop White Musk. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that because you're not a huge Missing Person fan, but you did wear White Musk. Do you feel that comparison is on par or no? I think maybe it's the nostalgia factor that's, um, I, I think I have a stronger affinity for the body shop white musk, maybe because mm-hmm. I did wear it and it's like holds that kind of like special place in my heart where when I saw the, the packaging for a missing person, it just didn't translate in the same way. Like, um, I don't know. It just wasn't, it just wasn't it for me. And it also didn't last as long on me, on me personally, mm-hmm. guys, that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. What do you guys think about, um, you know, when people talk about how long lasting a fragrance is and obviously Mm -hmm. everyone's skin chemistry is different. Would you buy something that doesn't last long if you absolutely were obsessed with the smell? I can answer this one because I one of my favorite scents is uh, or at least collection is the cologne collection from Hermes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the, uh, Jardin collection. And so they really like, I'll never forget being introduced to these fragrances and they're so beautiful. If like me, you like this, like very recognizable kind of sense like this, whether it's grapefruit, um, this one is the Pomplamoose Rose, but again, has like a little bit, they're unisex. So they have, it has like it, it more of an interesting dry down to it. 
but they're Mm -hmm. meant to be applied liberally. And I think that's the thing is like being there at the event and speaking to the nose and speaking to them personally when it first came out, it's like Mm -hmm. the idea of a cologne like this, it's really meant to be applied liberally all over your body. It's a totally Mm -hmm. different experience than putting on like an eau de parfum. And I remember Mark Jacobs around this era as well came out with his giant cologne bottles too they were like this big rectangles Mm -hmm. and I loved those so much and they didn't even have a spray if I remember correctly you were meant like you just poured it into your hand and you were meant to just like put it on like a lotion and I think in in the summer I think it's like such an interesting idea and again I also am somebody who I can get overwhelmed by scents like sometimes I just like I'm that person who if it's not the right scent for me, like I'll get a headache and I just want to wash it off. And right. I think that's really relevant today when you look at like scent free environments. And I know we're talking on the perfume room, so it's maybe not the right crowd, but like not everybody likes that. Not everybody likes right. to have a scent that lasts for like 48 hours and I you know, agree. you're sniffing it on your arm when you're trying to sleep. So I love this kind of like true second scent effect and I think you know give it a try but if you're not ready Mm -hmm. for it and you didn't understand what it was and you bought something like these Hermes colognes then yes you're going to be disappointed totally I mean I really think if you love a scent if it smells great and you're you want it to last all day then put a little atomizer in your bag and like Mm -hmm. live your best not every scent is is meant to be a powerhouse and I feel like that when you understand that maybe it doesn't upset you as much but I do get when people spend a lot of money and then they feel like they don't get the wear out of it but it's Mm -hmm. to me I almost liken it to you know if you're gonna get some you know work done on your face or something you're paying for the less noticeable Mm -hmm. work right if you left and all of a sudden everything about your face was changed like or you you know you got highlights and your hair was like all these stripes like sometimes less is more and I think that 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 extends to perfume as well that's right at long last I have the smell club announcement you have all been looking for August smell club registration and sample packs open up this Thursday August 4th and the theme is drumroll please influenced by you guys and your recommendations rose So if you are listening to this and you are a rose hater, do you know the range of rose and fragrances? This sample pack has an oud rose, a patchouli rose, a jammy rose, a soft green floral rose, and a sparkling rose. So if you've written off rose, I think it's because you have not found the right one and I am determined to make a rose lover out of you. DM me if you are not on that email list and you would like to be. Being on that email list gets you early access to any sort of events or shows or anything of the like and some fun little emails from yours truly. I do try not to spam. Let us get back to the episode. Well, tell me about your fragrance wardrobes. Are you guys like rotating between like one and two cents? Do you have, as beauty editors, I'm sure you have many, many scents to choose from. What's your fragrance aesthetic and what's in your fragrance wardrobe? Okay, well, I would say for me, I'm more of a wardrobe person. I will just get obsessed with a fragrance and then like I won't wear it for years. I don't know if other people are like that, but um, and but I find I found during the pandemic, I was much more like dipping in daily depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit of a freak of nature because every perfume it's going to sound like a humble brag, maybe not so humble, but it is true. Every perfume smells good on me. Sorry to say it. <laughs> okay. 
Um, there's something about my body chemistry where whatever it smells like in the bottle, it like there's I never have a perfume that quote unquote goes off on me or doesn't smell good. So mm. I therefore I can wear a lot of different types of fragrance. Um, you also don't so, sweat, right? Yeah, I don't I don't wear deodorant either for that reason, because I don't really it's not that I don't sweat. I just don't stink. Her body chemistry is just it's a you know, she's a perfume model, guys. Wow. I, I guess. Yeah, I I uh, <laughs> I've never Scientists really will kn- study. And, yeah. And I never knew that, of course, until I became a beauty editor and could wear all of these different types of scents. And people at the event, other beauty editors would be like, oh, that went off on me or it smells like plastic on me or it smells like metal on me. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then therefore, and then I got a little bit nervous about like personally recommending fragrances to friends or if someone would smell something on me. I'd be like, don't, I was like, you got to get a sample and smell it on yourself because I'm a bit of a, because I'm, I'm better than you. So (laughs) I'm better than you. So, um, it may, it smells perfect on me. It may not be perfect on you. No, I'm joking. But, um, so that in that respect, I'm very lucky and I love Chanel Gardenia. I go back to that all the time. Um, I love the Prada infusion to Iris. This, uh, look guys, this bottle is so old. Like it's quite embarrassing that I'm even showing this in terms of like how old this juice probably is, but I Mm -hmm. still, I wore it the other day. It smells perfect still. Yeah. And one of my favorites of all time that I just had to get rid of, but I'm going to show you this bottle because it was similar to this. Chloe, do, do you recognize this one? Either of you? Chloe came out with their, their Eau de Fleur collection wow. in 2010. And Carleen, mm. you would like this because they were all very like single note forward. Mm. But the Ooh. one that I liked was called Chloe Eau de Fleur Capuchin. I, so it's C-A-P-U-C-I-N-E. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's like a floral. Coffee? Oh, no. Oh, it's not like It's cappuccino. like a floral. Okay. No, it's a planter floral. I can't remember exactly the mm-hmm. definition of it but this fragrance you guys it was like an olive green in color it was so Ooh. green and grassy it was it was like aggressive it was like an english garden the most expensive english garden ever but just grass in there and wow. uh, for a lot of people i think it was just too much but for me i like used it to the very last drop and i was savoring it they don't make it anymore sadly and then i became obsessed with finding perfumes by the same perfumer who did that and actually, her name is Louise Turner, and she did mm. Glow by J-Lo, believe it okay. or not. Love and she one. also did Good Girl by Carolina Herrera. Wow. So okay, interesting. it's this whole full circle mode. And those fragrances are so different than this green one she did for Chloe. But anyways, I'm on mm-hmm. a tangent, but um, those are definitely some of the ones that I've dipped into over and over again, time and time again over the years. So sort of like green, soft florals, would that be like a good way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. But this one was like aggressively green. I would say most Aggressive. people would not like, most people would not like it. In fact, I don't okay. think it was like very positive. It obviously didn't sell well because it's not around anymore. Oh my God. Have you ever checked like Mercari or eBay to like find another bottle of it? Or? I have, I have, but I just don't know if I trust it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, some people were saying that they thought it might sell... Chanel number 19. Is that a green fragrance? Yeah. Yeah. So some people were saying that that might be a bit of a softer version of, of that. So I might have to check that one out. Hmm. I wonder if there's galbanum in there, like a sort of like green, like galbanum and iris. Like I feel like that's a note that kind of smells like, um, like fresh cracked peas. If that's like kind of in the wheelhouse of what you're, what you're getting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does have that Lily of the Valley tincture of rose mm. and jasmine in the middle. Yeah. Louise Turner was the perfumer's name. If anybody wants to look up any other scents by her. I love that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to look at her list and see if there's anything maybe similar. Carlene, yeah. what about you? Um, yeah. So I wear more than one scent for sure. Like I definitely like in the summer to go with more of a beachy vibe um, and get something that smells a little bit like suntan lotion. And uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm mostly wearing Penn Halligans. And then every once in a while, I'll venture off into something that's like a little bit more baby soft, a little bit more powdery. Um, I just never really get into anything that's too like strong or overly dramatic because that's just not that's just not me. Mm-hmm. Not since my Stella McCartney days, RIP. Love Stella <laughs> McCartney. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Wow. Um, well, Jill, as I was just thinking about it too, another one that you might like could be Frederick Mall Synthetic Jungle. It's just this Ooh. like loud green, lily of the valley, lots of green notes. It could okay. satiate that that desire for There's something. There's live matchmaking going on on the air here, yeah. people. Wow. Obsessed. Okay. So... You both described the sort of like aesthetics and genres that you guys like. I want to know about the process of writing these articles, right? Like we were talking about Mm -hmm. being experts, being trusted authority. When you're writing articles that are like, these are the five cents you need for summer. How do the fragrances get in your hands? How do you experience them? Take me through. Well, it's definitely different for a roundup versus like more of an in-depth feature, which is what we would have been working on back in the magazine days. So if mm-hmm. it's a roundup, like even for today's episode, we have like longstanding relationships with um, PR companies. So like we can call them and we can call in fragrances. Um, so that's why I have like a massive array of fragrances in front of me. Um, we're really lucky for that. So I'll do a lot of testing. I've been wearing a lot of fragrances honestly for the past like like you said on on your on our show like on different body parts like to to Mm -hmm. be testing them um but when it's for a longer feature it definitely usually involves some kind of experiential like press trip or something like that because the whole world of fragrance as I'm sure you know it's all about storytelling Every fragrance has a story like it is. It's a lot of marketing. It's probably more marketing than any other thing you can even imagine in the beauty world. Um, Mm -hmm. And they spend a lot of money and a lot of time in like investing in what these stories are. And they don't really want editors to go away and tell a different story, tell a story Mm -hmm. that is, you know, incongruous to what their vision was and especially these Mm -hmm. noses who are like so creative and they're they really are telling a story through these olfactory notes and Mm -hmm. so generally they'll invite you somewhere usually France or somewhere like that um and you'll meet the nose you'll be introduced and you'll fall in love with this story you might have like all of the sense in front the individual notes that were Mm -hmm. some of the main ones that are in the fragrance you might have them separately laid out in front of you there'll probably be some coffee beans so your nose can take a break Um, Mm -hmm. and then they'll kind of walk you through the whole story. And I think what, as beauty editors, what we would fall in love with is, are these like major houses, like we've talked about today, Chanel and Hermes, where they have this in-depth storytelling to draw from, you know? So with Mm -hmm. Chanel, it would always be like, 
It could be about her apartment where she had, you know, the number nine everywhere because that was her favorite number or five or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why they use five notes or something like that. Like there's always this rich storytelling to draw from and then you might be walking through gardens you know roses Mm -hmm. like these massive gardens or you might be stomping your feet in like this big rose you know tub or kind of thing so they take you on a journey for sure and um, it's wonderful and then you come back and you write about it and um, you're kind of like drunk off of it to be honest (laughs) What is a memorable press trip that either of you or both of you went on and um, a story that has really resonated with you of a fragrance you love? Oh, my goodness. There's been so There's many been so wild many. press, wild press trips. Like I'm talking about the, this is like these are the old school budget days. Like one of the first trips that Carlene and I ever went on together. And I don't think I mentioned this, but we Carlene and I did not used to work together at the same magazine. We worked across the hall from each other, but we would always end up on these press trips together. And we always got along really well. And then later on, I would like write some stories for Carlene when I was freelancing. But um, one of the very first, if not Carlene's very first press trip as a beauty editor, I was already at a magazine, I think for a little bit at that time, but we went to the Kimora Lee Simmons estate, her, I think she was still with Russell Simmons at the time, I baby it. fat perfume. <laughs> I believe it was under baby fat. Was it not? Carlene? Yeah, it was. We wore the t-shirts, remember? <laughs> yeah. Bed. So we all ended up, we all flew in for this event. It was at her house. She had men painted to look like Grecian statues all around the flanking the pool. I'll never forget. She had Versace China all around serving us like hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. Amazing champagne. I remember she had these bathrooms outside that were like fully stocked. I remember being like, oh my God, she put tampons in here for us. Like it was just (laughs) every detail was looked after. And then she like, left the room for a minute and then she came back and she was just dripping in diamonds it was just like a whole thing over the top this was like the mid 2000s and then the best part of the story though was we get in the car to go home we were flying in and back on the same day but no the driver brought us to uh LaGuardia instead of Newark or vice versa and we ended up getting stuck in Newark and no nobody had extra clothes or anything like that we missed the mm-hmm. last flight going home oh, yeah God. so we ended up having to all sleep in our baby fat tank tops because <laughs> that was the only clothes that we had and oh I just re- I was like this is going to go down in history as like one of the best it was like ever. a tank top and it had like a crystal <laughs> like crystalline rhinestone glitter fat on it like for the baby <laughs> fat and so we just like all there's all the beauty editors like doing a sleepover in their baby like fat swag. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I also had a, a tea party with Sarah Jessica Parker at the Plaza in New York. I still have the teacups. I just moved them to my new place uh, when she launched Lovely. Oh, um, my God. And then what a great just, perfume, by the way. Oh, my gosh. It is so good. It's such a yeah. – it rem- reminds me of that era. And then just my final story was probably the craziest press trip I ever went on was for Diesel, Only the Brave. And it was in Paris. And we traveled on the actual Orient Express outside of Paris to this wild – I don't even know where it was. You were just transported to this um, 1920s Paris indulgent hedonistic – um place so you walked in and it was pitch black and all through the entryway when you're walking in you can't see a thing hands are reaching out and touching you 
And then you sat down at this long table. You were blindfolded and there were half naked men on the table feeding us stuff while we're blindfolded. What? And it was all, it was absolutely wild. And I just saw all of the very esteemed New York beauty editors sitting there going mm, like, well, a man is like trying to shove them a marshmallow in their mouth. Like they're this blindfolded. This feels like a little like borderline, like <laughs> HR, like, mm. this would not this happen. This was back in the day, in, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh they had broken out into this like Josephine Baker dance party. And mind you, it was the middle of the day. So we came outside. It's still bright light. Oh God, and then I like got back on the, yeah. And then I got uh, back on the Orient Express took it back to Paris where I interviewed Thierry Vasseur, who was working on, who worked on the fragrances at the time. And I was definitely like a few glasses of champagne deep for that interview, but it's still, I still recorded it. It was still made it into the magazine, but yeah. wild your, times on your handheld recorder wow. where, you, where it was like exactly with tape, right. Yeah. I'll tell you about uh, my best press trip. Although there was a good one involving Beyonce when she did Emporio Armani diamonds back in like 2010 and she we went to the concert but we had this private event downstairs with like 100 editors and she was like 10 feet in front of me that was pretty epic but the one where I like honestly learned the most and it was just such a worthwhile experience was um for Moogler Angel I think it may have been for um an anniversary and so it was in Paris obviously and they took us on like a tour of where Terry Mugler like worked and visited. So um, we went to like the atelier, which looked over the um, Palais Garnier um, because he loved the ballet. And so we actually went inside and did a tour of the Palais Garnier and we saw, cause he designed like costumes for um, I think it was Phantom of the Opera or something like that. So yeah. like we saw all of these beautiful archival costumes and we actually went down to the basement where if you lifted up this like wooden plank thing, you could see the water underneath Paris because, you know, Paris is like sinking. And that's where the story behind Phantom of the Opera came from was like that this phantom came up from the water or whatever. Um, and so we really wow. learned like so much about about. Terry Mugler, but also um, the fragrance itself. And we went to like this tasting dinner and it was this mm -hmm. Michelin star restaurant. And I, it, I don't know, it was like an eight course dinner and it was all molecular food using notes from the fragrance in wow. every single dish. So it was like, you know, of course that has like cotton candy and coconut and melon and like plum and apricot and all this shit. And it's this molecular food, but of course it's not all fruit and vegetarian. So it's like French style. They're mixing it with like whipped moose meat, like that kind of, <laughs> I'm making it sound terrible, but you know, it's molecular food, right? And mm -hmm. every drink, every, sorry, every course had a new drink. So it was like, you went from like a bourbon martini to like a champagne to a red wine, like literally by the end of this meal and you're sniffing all the notes in Moogler in between. <laughs> I literally wow. almost threw up. Like I ran outside. <laughs> I ran outside and I flung open the door. I was like, I need fresh air. And there was like, oh my God. There was like five French beauty editors out front, like huffing on a dart, just like smoking yeah. so dramatically in French. Like, and I was just like, oh my God, I, 
I nearly threw up. No, but honestly, I learned so much about that scent and why it was so breakthrough when it came out because they broke every single rule in the book when it came to launching a perfume from that mm-hmm. weird ass bottle that didn't stand on its own to like right. these crazy notes. Um, every single thing they did to create that fragrance was dead wrong. And it ended up Mm -hmm. being one of the most successful fragrances of all time. And I think that kind of risk taking, there's like a lesson there for these Mm -hmm. big, um, big companies. And I just have so much respect for that. Well, only fitting, of course, that they do something as groundbreaking as serve you whip mousse meat for the most (laughs) controversial (laughs) fragrance. Um, that these stories are amazing. And yeah, I don't think these types of experiences, at least like to this extent happen anymore. I don't think so. Like, what are you, when you guys are getting new fragrances now? Well, first off, I'm curious, what are you testing these days that you're really enjoying? And is there any storytelling right now that's really, um, sparking excitement for you guys? I I would say for me right now, um, I am testing a couple that I can't reveal, right now because this is going to come out before the embargo lifts but a trend that I'm definitely noticing is um alcohol free fragrances this seems mm-hmm. to be something that our people are really talking about and I think a lot of brands are going in this direction mm-hmm. and I think also upcycled fragrances mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I think it started all with I am trash from a de Libra d'Orange. How do you say that? Yeah. Come help Etat me out. Libre d'Orange. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I became obsessed with their their fragrance that came out in 2018 called I Am Trash. I actually mm-hmm. bought it myself in Paris, and I remember they had their garbage bins out front. And the whole idea is that it's taking um, waste from uh, different industrial processes and turning it into fragrance. Mm-hmm. And um, so the whole aesthetic around it was almost like rotting compost and it just drew me in right away I was like this is so different kind of what you were just saying about Angel Carlene I was like this is nobody else is doing this and that was 2018 and now like Ellis Brooklyn is doing upcycle fragrances she's using like um ingredients that were from like wood processing plants and like I don't even know all of the ingredients, but I know that she's also in on this as well. And they're just looking at ways of closing that loop and making it definitely more sustainable. And this goes well beyond refillable bottles. So this Mm -hmm. is what's got me excited um, right now. And in terms of the specific products I'm testing, I can't say just yet. I'm very excited to read that article after the embargo is over. (laughs) Or you'll hear it on our podcast probably. Okay. I'll hear it on the podcast. Great. Yeah. Um, Carlene, what about you? Yeah, um, I'm kind of interested in, uh, you know, some of these scents that are claiming to be hypoallergenic. And I really don't know if, you know, I haven't spoken to kind of an expert who can um, verify whether these self-proclaimed hypoallergic hy- hypoallergenic scents are truly that. But I do think that, um, as we t- as I talked about earlier, like, some people like I love scents, but I, I can be irritated by it. I wish I wasn't, but I can be. So for me, this is very appealing. So mm-hmm. um, I really like the Henry Rose line of mm-hmm. fragrances from Michelle Pfeiffer. I think this is the most underrated of all celebrity brands when it comes mm-hmm. to celebrity scents. Um, I don't find that they irritate me. They use like 300 ingredients instead of 3000, you know, which are in most fragrances 
and it kind of fits my criteria where they tend to be typically like bright and floral and I can kind of identify the notes. I really love like neroli and grapefruit, mm-hmm. which is in the windows down. That's a favorite yes. of mine, especially for yeah. summer. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to, to know where this conversation goes. Interesting. Okay. Well, I do want to be mindful of time. So mm-hmm. with that said, I will ask a final question before we move to our rapid fire segment, which is mm-hmm. you are on a desert island. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the one fragrance that is coming with you? Ooh, okay. This is so tough. I mean, you know how tough it is. I think I think it would be Chanel Gardenia, just mm. because it reminds me of my early days as a beauty editor. The quality is unbelievable. It's just such a sophisticated floral scent. And it's just pretty and very calming to me. And um, I think that's what I would bring. Love that. Okay, well, if I were to go to a deserted island by myself, I think I would probably get a custom blend made from Guerlain, um, which obviously doesn't... Such a beauty editor response. It doesn't exist. Only a beauty editor would know that exists. Yeah, Yeah, it'll cost you... It'll set you back. I think it's like... uh, 80,000 euros. It Hmm. used to be back in the day. It was like when I learned about it, it was 20,000. Now it's 80,000 euro. I had that verified. Um, so yeah, I would go to their, you know, ultra luxurious, um, HQ on the Champs-Élysées and yeah, I would get something made that's very special. But if I was there just temporarily for some like fire Island type of situation, (laughs) I would bring the Tom Ford. This is the Soleil Blanc. So this is where I like completely break from the types of scents that I've been talking about. And it's just like, you know, this is summer in a can, right? It's like, you know, that Tom Ford is just like getting off his personal jet and like spraying this all over his face, like right over his bronzer. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just like pure sexiness. And this is a dry oil oil spray. So I'd like have this all over my legs and my arms. I've also been loving the Ellis Brooklyn salt body oil. This is Mm. like, this is um, a new release of their, it's an existing scent that they have. Again, Mm -hmm. it's just like summer in a bottle. Um, Summer in a bottle. That's the vibe. That's yeah. that's the energy. Was that an aerosol can, by the way? That the Tom, Tom Ford, Ford is an aerosol can. Like wow, who's okay. that's who? innovative. Kidding him. Yeah, he's okay. like do he's doing it. Um, and then yeah, the Ellis Brooklyn one is actually like you pour it out. Wow, and spread it okay. in your hands. You're in your hands, and then spread it on your body. Yeah, that's, that's the right. idea. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All of them, the Michael Kors one that you were talking, or no, was it Marc Jacobs? Yeah, the Marc Jacobs, I think they were called Splash or something like that. The Marc oh, Jacobs yeah. Ones okay. yeah. Remember yeah. there was like cucumber yes. and, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and cranberry. There was like rain. There was oh, like I loved blue the one, rain. I remember. The blue one was yeah. rain, yeah. Mm, yeah. I love that. So okay, good. well, we have a final segment of the show. It is Rapid Fire Scent Association. It is called What's That Smell? Mm, what's That Smell? I'll just throw out anything. You tell me the first smell that comes to mind okay are you ready to play what's that smell we are ready let's do it okay what is the smell of the best celebrity fragrance oh um well i would have to say the michelle pfeiffer yeah yeah windows down windows down yeah that's my favorite um elizabeth taylor white diamonds wow okay (laughs) what is the smell of the most overrated fragrance um I'm going to say cl- 
Chloe. I'm sorry. Like I think Ooh, I know a lot of the original. A lot of my friends love Chloe it. Original. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Like it's okay, but yeah. I think the most overrated thing on the internet right now for fragrance is this stupid dossier co. And uh, when I was looking at what was the most Googled in terms of fragrance and fragrance trends, it's all dossier. And this is, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's a whole DTC community or DTC brand that is just simply dedicated to knocking off um, high end brands. Yeah, mm. it's it's like so like in your face, like we knock off your favorite perfumes. It's just like mm-hmm. it's just and it's done in like a very beautiful aesthetic. Right. So you think yeah. you're not doing people could be confused is also my problem with it. Yeah, you could think you're buying the Chanel, whatever. And it's just like Dossier Co. Chanel, Dossier Co. Maison Francis, yeah. Cartagen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not OK. OK, interesting. OK, what is the smell of Toronto? That's where you guys are both based, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, cement. <laughs> How romantic! <laughs> Love you, Toronto. But no, it smell smells like, like Better World. It smells like Better World fragrances, which is Drake's line of fragrances. Oh, okay. Wow, weave it in the Canadian celeb. Boy, the, he's <laughs> number it smells one. Like number one. High. I love it. I love it. Okay, the final question. I'm gonna switch it up on you guys, Carlene. What is the smell of Jill? Shine. Shine. That is so beautiful. That's so sweet. And Jill, what is the smell of Carlene? I would say Neroli all day. Okay. I love that. Bright, citrusy, and I know she loves that. And yeah, she. I got to sniff her closer next time. Next time (laughs) I see her. We haven't seen each other in so long. (laughs) Gotta get a good whiff. Yeah. Smell your friends. If nothing else, PSA, smell your friends. Um, it has been such a delight chatting with you guys on Perfume Room, chatting with you guys on Breaking Beauty. For everyone listening, go head over to the Breaking Beauty page because I am a guest on their podcast as well. So thank you guys We're talking so about much. TikTok viral fragrances. Thank you so much. Thanks, Emma. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 